Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Run Hard Running Team podcast. I'm glad you're listening to this episode today with Adam Fa. My hope is for you to hear stories of other runners and those who are active, and I hope it inspires you to be better and be more active. And so I'm excited for you to listen today to Adam's experience as he's done many races, been part of many events, and even attempted a few kind of records at the same time. So I am thankful that you are here listening today. So I have Adam with me today. Adam, what's up, my man? Hey, Jesse. Good to be here. Yeah, man. I appreciate you making the time just to chat a little bit. If you've uh, been following uh, the My Marathon podcast for a while, we had him on that. And now the new revamped Run Hard Running team, he is one of the first to come on and chat. So always thankful to have him on. Adam is a pro triathlete. I met him first when he was living uh, around the Columbia area, seeing him at local events, seeing him participate in some of the events that we hosted. Incredible athlete. So I am, I'm going to build him up a little bit, but I know I can't do it justice. So Adam, if you don't mind, my man, um, if you could like, just give us a description and don't be humble, but give us a description of some of the accolades, kind of your position within the triathlete world, kind of like what that means to be a pro triathlete and all that. So tell us some PRs as well. So tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll try not to let you uh, build up my ego too much. I heard but, uh, that. Yeah, I mean, I started racing professionally officially, you know, with my license in 2016 for triathlon. Um, I'm, you know, growing up, I was never great at any of the three individually, but uh, sort of got better at each of the three year over year and qualified at St. Anthony's Olympic Triathlon back in 2016. Um, yeah, I mean it's been a it's been a progression since then. Uh, where the past couple of years is really where I can say you know I've made some money from it and you know price versus and whatnot. It's it's not to the point where I can you know pay all my bills off of it or anything like that. And very few people can say that uh, just because it's not a, a lucrative sport. Uh, I mean just sure. like pretty much any endurance sport, it's just not uh, you know people aren't doing it to be profitable. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as swimming, biking and running, I mean, I'm not sure there's anything in swimming I can say I have great accolades in or anything. It's typically the one I'm catching up on, uh, compared to the other two. Uh, but I'm certainly not a slouch in the water. Yeah. So Uh, you say, uh, you're not a slouch in the water, but what would you say, what event is your best event in triathlon? It's between biking and running, and it depends on uh, pretty much how my running's going at the time. So when my running's going smoothly and I'm able to maintain good volume and, you know, appropriate intensity and all that, then, uh, you know, I, I consider myself a very good runner and, you know, probably at least matching my bike. But, you know, I tend to get little niggles and injuries, and I don't like to push through those, so I don't. You know, sometimes I might miss out on some of that run fitness, you know, to be a little cautious. Yeah. Uh, So when that happens and then my, you know, I'll increase my cycling and then it sort of will be weighed one way versus the other. But that's one of the, one of the nice things about this sport is that you can sort of do that. So what's, what's good volume for you? You, you mentioned when you, when you have good volume in running, then it's one of your best. So what's good? What's good volume? 
Uh, it depends on the event I'm gearing towards at the time, but uh, I mean, the most I typically maintain on the run is is about 50 miles a week, which is not something I've been able to consistently keep. Yeah. Uh, just because things will pop up, especially if I'm training the other two hard at the same time. Sure. Uh, but it's it's uh, that's sort of about where I'll I'll build to. Uh, I don't really try to do a whole lot more than that or anything. Sure. And then, uh, but more more regularly, I'd say I probably average in the 30s uh, miles per week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned uh, you're a pro triathlete started or you got your pro card in 2016 and like i mentioned earlier i met you whenever you were living in columbia now you and your family i say recently within the last five years have moved out west was the uh the turn to becoming a pro triathlete is that what inspired your move to go out there to train at higher elevation describe that a little bit uh, initially, uh, uh, no, not quite, but you know, in the end a bit. So initially when we decided to move out of Columbia, uh, it was back when Charlie was born, our, our two year old, you know, two year old daughter. And, uh, instead of my wife going back to work and, you know, sort of staying in the situation we were at, where we we're both working, you know, have a kid and keep, you know, keep training, living you know, how we were in that situation, uh, we decided she would not return to work and I would go to work full time as a travel nurse. So, you know, as a travel nurse, that meant we were moving every three to six months, uh, different locations, typically out West, just because we wanted to explore the different locations. Uh, And then uh, eventually we found our way to Grand Junction, Colorado, which is about four hours West of like Denver, Boulder area, right? right near the border border of Utah. And uh, okay. we, we just loved it so much we didn't want to leave Grand sure. Junction. So we ended up planting roots. We bought a house here back in uh, last June of 2020. And uh, yeah, I mean, we just we just loved it out here. I mean, it's, it's, it is at altitude. It's at 4,500 feet approximately here, which is like, it's enough where you feel it. And you definitely feel it when you like, when I leave and go to sea level, it, it feels amazing to me and uh but I, I still sleep well i still recover between workouts well it's not like um like hammering hammering me down and i mean the training out here is pretty perfect i mean the there's not a whole lot of traffic the, the roads are great the trails are amazing and uh yeah i mean it's just pretty much everything you'd want uh, grand junction itself is not very well known uh, they're getting to be more well known and it's growing a ton, like super quickly, but uh, it's it's definitely not like crowded like Denver and you know super uh, popular like Boulder or something like that. Sure, but, sure. Well, I can say that I've followed you on Instagram and other social media, and the pictures that you post of some of the runs that you're on. I mean, I I I will say that it just kind of makes me a little mad. Because it's just incredible views, and I'm seeing like desert-looking sand uh, fields, open land with uh, snow on the ground. I think that was one of the uh, most recent posts that you had, 
And here I am, I'm running and I'm looking at rain drenched pine trees. And I'm like, man, this is, this just isn't fair. You know, it, it just looks like training, a place to train and that you could train, have beautiful views and have terrain, altitude, everything that you need. Yeah. I mean, in Grand Junction specifically, I mean, it's, it, it's perfect. You've got farm roads, which are great if you just want to go out and do flat stuff, or there's mountains pretty much every direction. It's, uh, I, I haven't even exhausted all the, all the routes or opportunities here yet. It's, uh, I, I can find a new place just about all the time. Like last week I went and ran at a, a new trail system that I hadn't been to before. And it's just, you know, 20, 30 miles of trails that are just new to me within 15 minutes of my house. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just never ending. Yeah. So it like, sounds like, like uh, uh, all, all, all the listeners, what we're going to do is we're just going to take a field trip and we're going to Grand Junction, Colorado, and we're going <laughs> we're going to visit you, man. So you may have a group of thirty people just show up one day do and uh, and all that. Maybe, so. maybe one day I'll run some training camps or something. But there it's, you go. Uh, I mean, the neighboring like Grand Junction and the neighboring town of Fruta are, are sort of known for their they're mountain biking and they pull in a lot of tourism for mountain biking. Okay. Uh, but it gets a little bit overlooked for its, it's trail running. It, you know, we're pretty close to Moab and, uh, uh, and I mean the road riding just because everyone rides mountain bikes, they don't sure. even uh, really notice the road riding as much, but it's, you know, it's, it's all amazing. Yeah. yeah. I can't really, uh, <laughs> I can't really say that there's much bad about it. Yeah. So you mentioned riding and road riding and everything, and I wanted to uh, get into this a little bit because personally I'm curious, and I just want to unpack, I want you to unpack this story for us, because recently, uh, and I'm just going off based on what I remember seeing on social media, but you had an attempt to break what I think, or what I remember, correct me where I'm wrong, a 24-hour world record for the distance traveled on a bike. Is that right? Yeah, and there's, I mean, there's more specifics to it just because uh, the organization that keeps track of those records, the World Ultra Cycling Association, uh, you know, they they have a lot of uh, rules and uh, specifications on types of records and such. So the one, the one I specifically went for was the 24-hour uh, world record for road riding, which is on a basically on the road on a course that's greater than five miles. Uh, why? There's, you know, there's also records for tracks and stuff, but sure. Why that one? Uh, yeah, I didn't really want to go out of my way to go find a, a track to do it on. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, with it being a COVID year, uh, and no races and, you know, a 24 hour seemed like it, it was something novel. It's a novel stimulus. So it was sure. something I wasn't sure I'd be able to do. Uh, I mean, definitely with the record, uh, it's, you're doing a, a six or a 12 hour type of, uh, attempt. It would have been, I'm sure it would have been difficult, but, uh, it wasn't, wouldn't have been like, you know, can I complete it it's, or even there was like, there's so much that went into it. It was just a whole new concept to me. It was really exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How did you find it? I mean, do you just Google world record 24 hour road ride? Well, I mean, you know, I've heard of, I'd heard of like 12 hour stuff and, uh, I'm sure I'd heard of the 24 hours in passing before. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, uh, some curiosity as to what to do with all the, yeah. all the fitness and what to build up for. And, 
Uh, you know, I've been dying to race all year, but I, I just can't. I mean, the few, very few races that have been available, I, I couldn't really justify going to. Because, uh, you know, there's like one or two in Florida and stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I work in the hospital still part-time as a nurse. Um, sure. I started that back up when COVID came around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I couldn't justify going to, like, a race super far away and then coming back and maybe I'm taking COVID with me. Maybe I'm bringing it back. I don't know. Right. I don't, wouldn't have really known. Uh, I think that'll change some maybe with the vaccine and with uh, people getting more used to the protocols and stuff. But sure. Uh, but yeah, sure. I mean, it, it was also something that I was able to do and it couldn't, it couldn't be canceled basically. Right. <laughs> it was, right. It was all on me. Uh, so what, know, what was the record? For the 24-hour ride, what was the distance that you had to break? The official record was 556 point something miles. Uh, I, I did later learn that someone broke that record within a week of me trying, actually. Okay. Uh, uh, in Slovenia, and now it's 567 miles. Okay. Which, you, you know, doesn't seem like it's a lot, but. <laughs> so you do the math on that. What's a lot, that? A lot different. But yeah. What's that average per mile? Uh, that is just under 24 miles per hour. Okay. So you see this record and you and you think, hey, I got a shot at this thing. And so you you obviously have, I mean, had great fitness as it, as it was and is, but how long did you have to start training? I guess once you found this record, did you specifically train only on the bike and not just from a fitness level? I know that you had to train on how to take in food, hydration, all that kind of stuff, but just from a strictly fitness perspective, how long before you wanted to attempt this uh, record did you start training? I think it was about a month or a month and a half or so that I decided that I wanted to do it, and we started implementing changes to my training, uh, and you know, before actually doing it. So, you know, I attempted October third. I want to say it was like maybe mid-August, late okay. August, when okay. I decided I wanted to go for it. Yeah. And, you know, the, the typical training I do does lend itself pretty well to, uh, you know, to a 24-hour type of time trial. Um, and I, I, I knew that my profile as an athlete sort of suits that pretty well. Uh, I'm able to ride <clears throat> at, at low intensities, you know, relatively low intensities for, uh, uh, you know, without much energy expenditure. Uh, like I've, I've been tested in, in one of the labs here a couple times and, you know, I know what it, what it takes to fuel at those power outputs and all that, all that stuff. So I knew the, I knew the science part going in and, um, I definitely, I definitely cut back on the swimming and the running in that lead up. Um, uh, the running was, uh, just about because my legs couldn't handle it because yeah. I was riding so much. Sure. Um, I mean, I think I was hitting some 500 mile weeks on the bike. And uh, it, it just just caused for a lot of niggles to want to pop up for for the run, so I just didn't really worry about it. And uh, I mean, really, as much the training was as much about just training those little muscles in like my neck and, and my back and everything as as it was about fitness. Because sure, uh, I mean, you can be super fit leading into something like that, but then you know you get all these small problems that could pop up and uh, right. I hadn't, 
I haven't jumped into that duration of writing before. So I was really trying to feel, feel out what the problem issues would be. <clears throat> and yeah, and some of them did pop up, uh, on during the attempt and, uh, I was able to manage pretty well, but, uh, uh, sure. I, I, uh, it's eventually done in, but I don't think quite because of those, uh, those issues. Yeah, I mean, I, I know you have a, a young child at home, and you're used to lack of sleep just by being a parent. But, I mean, to stay up for 24 hours is hard enough, much less 24 hours while you're pedaling a bike. So did you have to, uh, I mean, train just to stay up for 24 hours? Uh, not really. Uh, I mean, as far as the like that mental aspect of the you know staying up, um, I mean, especially with me deciding to do this like a month and a half in advance, it's just, you're better off making sure that you're, you're fresh and you're fit leading into it physically right. and not right. run down. Cause if, if I would have gone into it, run down and, and just not feeling, you know, a hundred percent, then that would have been, you know, game over right there. Yeah. So <clears throat> but, you, um... but yeah, I mean, I've, I've used to work night shift, you know, as a nurse and, uh, so that helped. I mean, I've done a lot of commuting as part of my training, uh, you know, 30 to 60 minute rides at 11 PM midnight coming home from shifts and stuff. And, you know, I've done a lot of night riding. I've done 2 AM rides in the past when I was working night shift. And so I, uh, I didn't anticipate that being a problem and it may or may not have been, uh, I mean, I did pull the plug as it was heading into the night. I'm not sure how much, uh, it would have, really affected me if I had corrected a couple other things that had gone wrong. Sure. So you said you pulled the plug kind of going into the night on this 24-hour attempt. So when did you start? So take us through race day and your prep before the actual time started and you started riding your bike. What time did you start kind of getting in that race day mode? Yeah, so there's a lot of things that go into picking what time you start. I mean, obviously there's no really true win, like winning situation where it's like, Oh, this is obviously better time because one way or the other, you have to ride through the night and you're going to be up for 24 hours. Sure. Uh, I chose to start at 3 AM, uh, because it more seemed like just a really early wake up and then staying up really late. And it broke the night up into a, you know, two segments rather than riding right. all through the night at once. Um, I think I'll try that differently uh, next time. Uh, and it was, it ended up being a good bit colder than I anticipated it being. Um, I think it was like in the high 30s or so when I started. I, you know, my Garmin had, had it like 36, 37 or so, most of the, like the first six hours or so before the sun really came up. Uh, and uh, I think that that sucked a lot of energy out of me. Uh, just sure. just to stay warm in that period. Uh, you know, once once I got out of it, I sort of, you know, I, uh, I rallied and was going well, but, you know, I I think I burned a bit too many matches at the start there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, but even before all that, just getting uh, all the logistics taken care of, you know, I was on, a, on an eight-mile loop out in farm country. Uh, uh, there were a couple, there were two stop signs on that course, one, pretty much in the middle of nowhere. So I did have to get, you know, technical legal permission to, to roll through those stop signs. Uh, you know, assuming there was no traffic coming. Sure. Um, I, I was required to have a, have a follow vehicle. I had to have officials, which, 
um, you know, it was people that I knew or the officials. Uh, Rebecca was one of them. My mom was another and stuff. Uh, making sure that there were people, support support crew to hand me nutrition throughout the ride. Uh, I think all in all, my support crew was nearly two dozen people. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a little concerning just because, you know, I, I'm not really able to coordinate all of that while I'm riding. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I had my phone and I had a, an earpiece in and such, but, um, you know, I'm not really able to just sit there and, and, and text and, and call people all the time or anything. Sure. Uh, so I'm but, guessing with yeah, a... Uh... That, all that ended up going pretty well. Uh, it definitely yeah. made for some, uh, some stress leading into it, but... Sure, uh, sure. But yeah, I mean, once once I exited the, you know, once the sun came up after the first six hours, things rolled pretty well. Started having some back issues around like the 10, 11 hour mark and uh, with my lower back. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, it, it's not unpredicted because it's, I have a pretty aggressive position. Uh, you know, in order to go fast, uh, you want a, a good position. And I knew that holding that position was going to be one thing that was going to be a tall ask uh, sure. because you know it's a long time no matter what position you're in you're probably going to start hurting yeah yeah so so that first 10 hours before you started to experience that lower back trouble were you on pace yes uh, I, I think I I was above pace uh, and I think I stayed on pace for probably 14 15 hours uh yeah, around that 10, 11 hour mark, I definitely had a lap or two that were, was a lot slower. Uh, I stopped a couple times to get, you know, a quick, uh, get some of my support crew to like massage it out real quick and such. And, um, I mean, it did get, it did get really bad there for, for a bit, but, um, yeah, I was able to sort of rally and it just sort of worked itself out. And then I had another, another like few good hours in me there. Uh, where I was hovering right around the, the world record pace and, uh, you know, sort of a, uh, being, being motivated to keep going just to not let it slip. Sure. So while you're, uh, while you're riding and you're, you're going through all this, each lap, eight miles per lap, how often did you take in nutrition and how much nutrition? I'm sure it was calculated. And you knew how many calories you needed to take in, all that. But how often did you have to eat while you were riding? Yeah. Uh, so my plan was, if we're looking at calories, I was taking in about four to five hundred calories per hour. Okay. Uh, and that consisted of, um, so my electrolyte drink that I had, which was a couple hundred calories uh, for each bottle. I tried to get hit one of those per hour. You know, one bottle of that per hour. Um, when it was colder, I didn't really take in any additional fluids other than that. And then to get the rest of the calories on top of that was either Pop-Tarts or Fig Newtons, which I tested before, you know, used on a lot of my long rides and it's just, they just sit well for me. They don't really cause any issues and it's, you know, they're high calorie for sure. Yeah. That's uh, no doubt about that. (laughs) Pop-Tarts. So yeah, I mean that. I stuck to that until I don't remember the exact time frame, but probably the 14, you know, about the 14 hour mark, I think, uh, when my 
support crew vehicle had to go, you know, refill on gas. So it got switched out to uh, a French truck. And at that point, you know, you know, I was starting to feel a good bit more down, uh, accepted some PB and J's and stuff and, uh, and cookies and all that. Yeah. So um, you probably consume tons of pop tarts. What, what's your go-to flavor? Pop tart. Uh, brown sugar cinnamon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. classic. Yeah. Exactly. Icing on I'll, top. I'll, I'll admit to having uh, four or five packs already today. Really? So you still eat pop tarts after this ride? You didn't get sick of them? Yeah. No. I mean, I definitely get. I mean, I'm, I don't say I love them. I actually don't really care for the taste a whole lot. Uh, I mean, if I'm going to eat something, I'm I'm simply eating pop tarts because they're high calorie, and I'm getting in. I mean, that's that's the whole reason right there, and I know they digest well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's super basic food and you definitely do not want to have pop darts unless you're, you're training yeah, exactly. <laughs> mid training. Yeah. When did uh, you know on your ride that you're like, this is it. Uh, I just don't have any more. When was that moment? Oh, that was, I mean, a few times, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but really that 18 hour mark where, um, I, I was pretty much done. I'd fought, you know, I'd fought just about the whole day. I thought it was, honestly, I, I didn't think it was going to be as hard as it was, as it was for as long. Um, so, you know, I, I sort of feared the first hours or so would be a lot easier and it would progressively get harder throughout the day. You know, uh, as, if you're pacing appropriately, you should be feeling relatively good at the beginning in, uh, but with how cold it was, I was, it, it was a struggle from the start. Sure. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, by the time I hit that 18 hour mark, I was like each of those last two or three laps, it was just like, just finish this lap, just finish this lap. Right. And, uh, I mean, they were super slow. And I mean, after I stopped and was pretty much like completely out of gas at that point, the sun was, was set and it was starting to get colder again. <clears throat> uh, my my support crew did uh, uh, you know get me to to keep going a little bit further, and I actually I think over the next hour and a half or so uh, I, I did get like another I think six miles or something. Uh, and it was I mean that was like I was even walking at points. Yeah. Uh, so I pretty much say that I, I pulled the plug at eighteen hours, uh, which is. I think the 408-ish mile mark, but I did make it to, I think, 412 or 413. Wow. That's still incredible, man. I mean, no reason to hang your head on that. I know you're uh, you're pretty proud of that. So you didn't make it on your first attempt. Will there be another attempt? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, okay. There's, I'm definitely going to be attempting again in some fashion. I'm not positive of how it's going to work. Okay. Uh It'll depend a bit on how COVID impacts races this season. Sure. Uh, coming up. Um, yeah, and probably a bit on how my races go if they do happen. Um, uh, I mean, ideally for me, I, you know, I still think my strength is going to be in the half and full Ironman racing. And if I can make money at that, it's hard to justify going for a world record that doesn't really provide any financial incentive. Sure. Uh, which I mean, it's awesome to say, and I would love to, to give it more shots, but it's, uh, 
yeah, when it comes to paying the bills, it's, it doesn't really pay anything. Sure. Sure. Uh, but even then, uh, I, I do anticipate probably going for it again this upcoming year, uh, you know, in 2021, uh, maybe a 12 hour, probably a 24 hour, uh, I'm thinking the more ideal time if I do, uh, you know, try to do it again here in Grand Junction is to do it around the solstice where there's a lot less night riding and it's a little bit warmer. Okay. Uh, and that way I get, you know, as much daylight riding as, as possible. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, even, even if it's not something I do or go for more regularly here in the next year or two, I could definitely see myself in my you know, 40s and, and on where, you know, say I'm not aiming for that triathlon goal anymore where I, <clears throat> where I might still want to go for the ultra endurance type of thing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, there's really not anyone my age or, you know, as young as I am, uh, that really goes for this stuff successfully. Uh, most, most people at this range are, you know, at least in, the, in their thirties. Uh, and I mean, more of the participants are a good bit older than that. Uh, you know, forties, fifties, sixties. Sure. So what are your 2021 plans that you can say that you're committed to right now? Obviously from our experience with 2020 races can be planned and pulled at the last moment, but are there any races that you're committed to that you know are going to happen or at least right now they're say they're going to happen? Yeah, I, I do have a tentative race schedule, uh, which I'm hopeful for, you know, some of them I, you know, I'm not positive if they'll happen or not, but uh, I think there's definitely a good chance. Uh, I mean, if things stay or if things are get under control in those locations, and <clears throat> I mean, I've I've had my first dose of vaccine, and I'm getting my second dose next week. All right. So, uh, I mean, personally, that's great for me, but I hope more people get it so yeah. that it'll really get things in control. And um, yeah, so my my schedule, uh, as I hope that it is, is there's a race in Miami. Uh, um, it's a, approximately a half Ironman distance. It's called Challenge Miami, and that's on March 12th. They're still finalizing the details of, of, of the pro race there. Um, so that'll be like a, a rust buster, and I'm and it's also I'm assuming going to be super competitive because everyone's just dying to race right now, uh, sure. especially in the in the professional field because a lot of uh, a lot of people's income, uh, especially the the people that traditionally do get their full income from racing, um, that's, it's been cut, you know, there's no, there's people are struggling to survive right now in that capacity. Right. Um, so there's, there's that one, uh, which won't quite be one that I think I'll, I'll focus on a hundred percent, but the ones that I, I am hoping to focus on 100% and really hoping they happen, uh, is Ironman Texas at the end of April and Ironman Tulsa at the end of May, uh, which happens to be exactly what I was intending to do in 2020, uh, but that got changed, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I have I have high hopes and high goals for both of those, so uh, I, I really hope they, the training can go well leading in and that the race day comes together. Sure, sure. Well, I know on uh, on my side of it, man, I hope it comes together and happens as well. 
So just being a fan of endurance sports, being an endurance athlete, just on, on a recreational level and an event director, you know, it's just that, that nor that sense of normalcy whenever an event happens, you know, uh, in, in a safe way, it's just good. So it's good to uh, inspire you. It's, it's good for the soul just to see people be, be a part of something that we did so much, but took, um, took for granted, you know, and then taken away from us in 2020. So hopefully, man, that happens for you as well. Yeah. So, um, appreciate that. Hey, so as P, as you gear up for these races in 2021, are there ways that uh, people can follow you on, um, uh, on your journey as a pro triathlete, like on social yeah. media, any of those outlets? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, as far as the traditional social media, I, I definitely use Facebook and Instagram and, uh, you know, try to post there and to keep people updated on, uh, on everything that's going on. I probably don't as much as I, as I could, or, uh, you know, as, as I should, you know, part of sure. being a, a professional athlete nowadays is uh, apparently the social media aspect, because, you know, if you're going to inspire people, you want them to be able to see what you're doing and, right. uh, and why you do what you do. So, exactly. uh, those are the, you know, the traditional ways. And, uh, I mean, it's pretty much just, uh, either my name, Adam Phi, or Phiathlon for those accounts, uh, which is just a little uh, uh, play on my last name, which I made when I I first started doing triathlons. Sure. Uh, and then uh, and then it's I pretty it's... much post all my workouts to Strava. Uh, I mean, barring okay. like strength work, which uh, I don't think people really care about. <laughs> but they should. Workouts. They should, because I've learned that those strength workouts keep you on the road longer. Yeah. And yeah, they do. Free. And uh, they, they affect the other workouts a lot more than you think. Uh, yep. You know, I go into the gym to to squat, deadlift, or do pull ups, or you know, all that, all the the standard stuff. It takes a little pop out of your uh, out of your other workouts if you're not doing it, you know, timing it well and uh, and recovering from it appropriately. Yeah. Hey, just quick story, real quick. I, I don't know if you still do this or not, but. Just for those who are listening, you know, I, I hired Adam as a coach at, at, at one time. And yep. I remember one of the first workouts, you put me through a strength training workout. And I know it was probably like elementary or basic level strength training. I mean, we did some jump squats, some, I don't even know what they're called, but one squat, one step like in front of the other. It was just a lot of squatting, jumping, lower body, hip exercise things like that. And I remember the next day and for days to come, I was like, I can't walk. I can't, I can't do a run workout because I have to limp everywhere. And I remember telling you this and your, your simple reaction was like, well, well, good. And I was like, good, I can't walk. And you, you just kind of expressed like, that means there's room for improvement there. And a lot of that improvement came from me building that strength around my hips and in that lower part of my body. So, yeah, follow those uh, strength training workouts because that's where that's where it's at. Yeah, and I mean that's you know in the past something that even I uh, I neglected to do as much as I you know could have or should have because when I was working full time uh, either at the beginning of of my racing or or the past that couple of years where I did travel nursing, you know, working 40 hours a week. It's just, yeah, I mean, I get it for everyone. If, if you're training a lot, it's, it's easy to be the first thing cut. 
Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and now that I'm able to control like my work hours and, and actually do things a little bit more appropriately, uh, when, when you're able to get that stuff in and you're able to do it right and, uh, and time it well and, and not let it, you know, ever get, get on the back burner. You don't, uh, you don't get that feeling of like you go to the gym for the first time in a month or yeah. two and, yeah. and then suddenly you can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not fun. It's not fun, but, but definitely, definitely needed, man. Um, I help out with our lo- local cross country team here, man. And I use a lot of those same strength training workouts you put me through and uh just tell them that same thing hey if you want to be injury free this is where it starts so um yeah so yeah follow, yeah, I mean, there, follow so, on that. there's so many proven benefits of it and no it's no uh, i mean we could go all day on all the things that it helps but yeah it's, it's pretty much no doubt that it does yeah so uh last thing here before i let you go so we're in the beginning of 2021 and yep. with the new year we have a lot of people that say this new year, I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to start running. I'm going to start walking. I'm going to get in better shape. And with the run hard running team, we work with young athletes, young people. And we, our goal is, you know, just to give them a taste of what the sport or what being active looks like in hopes that they will like it and make it a habit throughout the rest of their life. So what advice would you give someone this year who's like, all right, it's 2021. I am going to become more active. I'm going to start running, walking, whatever, being active, starting to do triathlons, whatever, or advice to young runners, kind of like in the, they're kind of in the same boat. Someone who is just starting out or new to sport or new to being active. What would you tell them? Yeah. I mean, number one for me, and I think that would help, people in that scenario is just persistence uh i mean in in one capacity you know in your workouts being persistent uh and making sure you're you know always being accountable and pushing uh when when you're supposed to and but for the most part i mean persistence and getting out there pretty much day after day i mean even if it's what two or two times a week three times a week that's Sure. That's a lot better than just putting it on the back burner right. and, uh, and and forgetting about it. I mean, one of the one of the main reasons for where I am right now with the sport and uh, actually being pretty successful at it is, uh, you know, I didn't start out very good, but I've been doing this for over ten years now, and I, I've I've never put it on the back burner. And I've I've never stopped. Uh, I've taken breaks uh, appropriately and, and planned. Uh, I'm actually doing that right now, uh, but it's always it's always there, and I'm always eager to get back to it. I mean, it helps that I love it, and I think it helps to find something that you love so that you are persistent and always always uh, not letting it you know be forgotten. No doubt. Yeah, that's a good word right there. As and that's from Adam Fye himself. So pro triathlete Adam, I want to say thanks, man, for taking your time talking with us today, giving us your your input, your advice, your expertise on everything with endurance sports and uh, reliving that twenty four hour world record ride attempt. So hopefully, man, we can get you back on after you go through these. Ironmans in April and May, and uh, you can recap on how you did your experience and what you learned from it to you to uh, to help us uh, recreational endurance athletes out. How about that? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. hopefully I can uh, 
I can talk to you about uh, my my journey to Kona and punch my ticket to get there. I heard as, that, uh, man. As a professional. Yeah. Yeah, so also make sure you get that uh, that training camp all, all ready and planned, man, because I think you've sold everybody on this whole Grand Junction, Colorado thing for real. So, hey, man, again, Adam, thanks for your time. I hope you do well, man. Keep putting in work. Hopefully you stay healthy, man, and we'll be, we'll be here in, uh, in South Carolina cheering you on, man. Yeah, yeah I love, uh, love keeping up with, uh, with everyone back, back there. Cool, man. Thanks again, dude, and we'll talk soon. See ya. All right. Thanks. See ya.